3: Good afternoon everyone. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is on the air on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at wsbtradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. If you don't have the app, get it now. It's free at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT Radio with the app. You can listen to us live or our podcasts on demand it is great to have you on board budweiser's weekday sports beat darren pritchett with you we have a couple of events we'll be following live as they happen this afternoon one of those down in charlotte north carolina side of the acc tournament where link jarrett 16th ranked fighting irish baseball team is in action in their first of two pod games they are taking on the florida state seminoles the nine seed In the ACC tournament. And right now the Fighting Irish are in control of this game with their ace on the mound. That's a good combination. The Irish lead Florida State 5-1 in the top of the sixth inning. John Michael Bertrand on the mound. He has thrown 74 pitches through five innings. So you would have to think he's got a couple of more innings left in the tank for this Seminole baseball team. That is in must-win mode if they do not win. They're not going to be playing any postseason baseball, more than likely, and the Irish are going to be hosting a regional. They're trying to continue to pile up wins. They're hoping to win the ACC tournament with the expectation that might push them into a top-eight national seed, which can get you a super regional if you take care of business in your regional. So the Irish just want to continue to win, and this pod system is a little quirky, but – if I have the rules right from last year, if the Irish win this game, they'll advance to the semifinals, even though they have another pod game left against the Virginia Cavaliers tomorrow morning at 11. That's because if Notre Dame wins this game, they'll be one and zero. Florida State one and one. Virginia zero and one. Even if the Irish lose a hundred to nothing to Virginia tomorrow, all three teams will be one and one and the highest-seeded team advances to the semifinals, which would be the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So basically, this is the game for the Irish to get them into the semifinals of the ACC tournament, taking on Florida State right now, and things are looking good. 5-1 Irish, top of the sixth inning down in Charlotte. They're hoping to make tomorrow's game against Virginia meaningless, although the Cavaliers... Put it to the Irish out of the ACC tournament last year. You'd like a little revenge, but you're not going to do anything crazy pitching-wise because you've got the semifinals ahead if you take care of business against Florida State, and the Irish have a 5-1 lead in the top of the sixth inning. Strange, it's not on the ACC network. The Big Ten network is showing all of the Big Ten tournament games, but the ACC is just entrenched in these little regional local TV deals. We've seen it basketball for many many years and they have the same for baseball as well so this game is a little bit more difficult unfortunately to follow there is no Notre Dame home radio and with TV kind of hard to find it's a little frustrating with the Irish playing important games not being able to see it or hear it but I don't know here we are and the Irish are winning that's the most important thing the other event we're going to be following throughout the program is the progress of the Senior PGA Championship at Harbor Shores Golf Club in Benton Harbor, Michigan, the championship back at Harbor Shores once again in this major championship for seniors. Right now the leader is 54-year-old Paul Claxton out of the University of Georgia has five professional wins. He turned pro in 1993. Claxton has made the turn. He is five under par through 10 holes, and right now is the leader as first-round play continues at the Senior PGA. Then you've got seven golfers at minus four, including Chris DiMarco, Mike Weir, a Masters champion, Duffy Waldorf, Gene Sowers, so a pretty good leaderboard right now at the Senior PGA Championship, first of four rounds today at Harbor Shores. I know they had some weather roll through there a little bit ago. And it looks like they're back playing once again. And Claxton right now out in front by a shot over a host of pursuers at minus four. We'll keep you updated on the leaderboard at the Senior PGA Championship in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Otherwise, on the program this evening, we've got our SportsSpeed Twitter question of the day to get to coming up in just a few moments. Yesterday's question centered around the possibility of USC being a consistent contender for the playoff like Notre Dame has been the last five years. Did you feel like that's a reasonable statement? We'll get to the results coming up and also ask today's question And about 15 minutes here on WSBT Radio. Well, this is kind of appropriate, I guess, on a day in which the Cubs lost to the woeful Cincinnati Reds 20-5. That was the final at Great American Ballpark this afternoon. I had this question ready. Long before this game started. But today's my five question of the day. On a day which the Cubs lose by 15, who are the top five Chicago Cubs players that should be traded before the deadline? I guess that's good timing. Coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll continue to follow the progress of Link Jarrett's Fighting Irish Baseball team. We have our sports wagering segment to get to right around 625. 625. Well, I was red hot going into yesterday's action and went two and two. That's okay. We're 13 and three in our last 16 picks. So we're still pretty red hot at this particular time and had the avalanche held on to a lead in the final minute against St. Louis. I'd have been three and one last night, but the blues put together a great comeback. They were dead as a doornail in the second period of that game and rallied to tie it in regulation, won it in overtime to extend that series back to the Gateway City to the West for a Game 6 tomorrow night. So the Avs let me down, but still 2-2 two and two last night, and we'll make some more picks coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: The first pitch of uh, the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup, and his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
3: And I, and our first pitch to you today is in regard to Notre Dame football, and it centers around recruiting. Today is a commitment day, possibly for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish football team. It is 5.15 as we broadcast live here on WSBT Radio. Just pointing that out in case you're listening on the podcast later on tonight or tomorrow. But in an hour and 45 minutes at 7 o'clock on this Thursday evening, a very good running back will make his college choice. And the expectation is he's going to pick the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. The name of the player is Jaden Lamar, L-I-M-A-R. He is a four-star running back out of the state of Washington. Now, he's one of those little water bugs. A little guy, 5'11", 190 pounds with that speed you're looking for. Now, this should be a lock. Famous last words in recruiting, right? But the on-three prediction has Lamar at 98% for the Fighting Irish. So the people that talk to the players, the coaches, other individuals, they are all in on Lamar picking Notre Dame today. And the Irish would beat out some West Coast teams for his services, teams that have been interested in Lamar include Oregon, USC, Washington State, Arizona. From the Midwest, the Michigan Wolverines had interest in Jaden Lamar. Now, if Lamar picks the Fighting Irish, or dare I say, when he picks the Fighting Irish, he would be the only running back currently in Notre Dame's class of 2023. A week ago, I'd be saying he is the second running back in the class, but... Over the last week, Cedric Irvin Jr. out of Miami, Florida, related to the Hall of Famer Michael Irvin, decommitted from the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It came right after the announcement that five-star running back Richard Young, who did not have Notre Dame at his final seven list, Told the world that he's going to officially visit the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And we now have that in writing. We'll get to that coming up in a moment. But Cedric Irvin Jr. is a really good football player. Lamar is ranked a little higher than Irvin, according to the On 3 consensus, which takes all of the major recruiting services, averages the numbers together, and comes up with one number for these players. Lamar. Lamar is listed as the 16th best running back in the class of 2023. He is player number 267 overall. Again, that's according to that on three consensus ranking. Now, what about this five-star running back? Let's say Lamar joins the Irish. First running back now in the class. 13th commitment overall the door is still wide open for another running back to come on down. And the player that might have got Cedric Irvin uncomfortable is Richard Young. He is an elite five-star running back. Many people believe he is the best running back in the class of 2023. Now on social media, Young has announced his five official visits. Well, you talk about the who's who of college football. He's going to visit those towns very, very soon. Richard Young says June 3rd through the 5th, he is going to go see the Oklahoma Sooners. Are the Sooners going to be as attractive with Lincoln Riley gone? Now a defensive-minded head coach rather than the offensive-minded Lincoln Riley who left for USC. Young still has him on the list. He'll visit Norman June 3rd through the 5th. Then a school that produces running back after running back. Sometimes their number four running back is better than a lot of teams number one. June 10th through the 12th, Richard Young is going to visit Tuscaloosa and say hello to Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. After going to Alabama... It's going to be a during-the-week visit at the University of Notre Dame. Richard Young will be in South Bend June 13th through the 15th. Now, I've read when you have weekend visits, more often than not, other big-name players might be visiting campus. This is a midweek visit for Young to the University of Notre Dame. So all eyes will be on Young. June 13th through the 15th here in South Bend. He'll take a day off from his travels. June 17th through the 19th, Richard Young will spend a little time between the hedges down in Athens talking to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions. And then Richard Young will wrap up his official visits. A week later, June 24th through the 26th in Eugene, Spending time with the Oregon Ducks. Boy, the Ducks are getting a lot of looks from big-name players. Not many are choosing them, but they're on the list. Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback, recently visited Oregon. So there you go. Richard Young will visit Oklahoma, Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon. His visit to Notre Dame June 13th through the 15th, just a couple of weeks away. Now the bad news. Remember about these predictions When you see some of these numbers, they appear to be locks like Lamar appears to be a lock at 98%. Well, the on three predictors on Richard Young, 93.6% say that Richard Young is going to go to Roll Damn Tide, Alabama. Nobody else is getting 2% of the vote. So it seems Alabama is in the driver's seat for Richard Young, but Notre Dame will have their crack at the five-star running back in the middle of June. So that's a little update on Notre Dame football recruiting. We'll find out at 7 o'clock tonight, Jade Lamar, if he picks the Irish, which he should, that'll bring the Irish commitment total to 13. And the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame will maintain their top spot, the number one recruiting class. For 2023, as of May the 26th, they have been sitting atop the mountain for some time now. Just imagine to their spot in those rankings if the five-star quarterback Dante Moore eventually picks the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Still, the people that prognosticate believe still advantage Notre Dame with Dante Moore. I saw one that had LSU moving into second place. Hmm. Does Dante really want to be a part of the family down there in Baton Rouge? Maybe he wants to be around a southern guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd go somewhere else then. All right, five twenty-three is our time. That's our first pitch for today. Eyes on Jaden Lamar. He'll pick hopefully the Fighting Irish at seven o'clock tonight. It is 23 minutes after 5 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: 28 minutes after five o'clock, 71 degrees, and sunshine in downtown South Bend. Darren Pritchett with you on this Thursday evening. Coming up after the program at 6.45, South Bend Cubs baseball. The Cubbies take on those pesky Great Lakes loons at Four Winds Field. Pre-game coverage, 6.45, the first toss. At 7.05, Loons won yesterday morning 4-3 as each team has won a game over the first two in this six-game series. Nothing new to report. Notre Dame baseball still leads 5-1. The Fighting Irish hitting in the top of the seventh in their first pod game of the ACC Tournament down in Charlotte, North Carolina. If they win this game, they move into the semifinals, regardless of the outcome of tomorrow's game against Brian O'Connor's Virginia Cavaliers. Let's get to our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. Yesterday, I asked you this question on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. With the USC Trojans on the Notre Dame football schedule each and every year, Do you believe that new Trojans head coach Lincoln Riley will turn USC into a program that contends consistently for the playoffs like Notre Dame has been able to do the last five years? Your choices were pretty easy. Yes or no? 60.4% said yes that Lincoln Riley is going to turn USC into a consistent playoff contender. 39.6 said, nah, not going to happen. Chatty Shack wrote in and said, yes, but it will not be immediate. Williams says, I'm scared of their future. I see a return to the early 2000s. Hopefully it'll be done a little cleaner, but then again in the NIL world. And Jack made a good point about Lincoln Riley. He's going to need more than a 7-on-7 team to play with the big boys. Well, the Oklahoma defense never was their strong suit. Always great offensively, but defensively probably held them back from winning a national championship. They always seem to have good players going to the NFL that have success, but never able to put it together to help out some outstanding quarterback play through the years under the tutelage of Lincoln Riley. If I had a vote, I would say yes. I think the concern is Riley being able to keep those Southern California players from leaving Southern California. If USC can start keeping the elite talent at home, that's when things get awfully dicey and USC could return to a power position. And every other year with that Notre Dame-USC game being the end of the year, that could almost be a mini playoff game in itself if things play out over the first couple of months correctly. Now, of course, when they come to South Bend, it'll be in October, but those matchups out at the old Coliseum, end of November, those could be some dandies. So again, 60.4% said, yep, Lincoln Riley is going to make USC a consistent playoff contender, just like the Fighting Irish, 396 Not so sure. Thanks for voting. Greatly appreciate it. We have today's question up. It's a bit of a hypothetical, and it's in regard to the national football. League. I'm just kind of curious to see where you are as a Bear or a Colt fan in regard to how well you think your quarterback's going to play the next couple of years. So here's how I designed the question. If you could choose one quarterback from the three listed and you get them at their current age... And they're going to be your NFL team's quarterback for each of the next three years. Who do you pick? Now, again, keep in mind, you have to get that quarterback at their current age. And you get them no matter what for the next three years. So the three choices, the GOAT, Tom Brady. So you get him at age 45, 46, 47, but one of the greatest of all time, still playing at a high level. You could go with 38-year-old Matt Ryan, so you get him for three years, or you could go with the young pup entering his second year in the National Football League, Justin Fields. So if he's great, if he turns out to be a really good player, then you get him at a high level at the youngest age of the three, but it's a chance he may not turn out. So that's why this question can be a little bit tricky. So again, let me repeat it. If you could choose one quarterback out of the three listed, You get them at their current age, and they have to be your team's starting quarterback for each of the next three years. Who do you pick? Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, or Justin Fields? Fields is tricky just because you don't know how good he's going to be. If he's going to be really good, then that might be the best choice. But what if he's going to turn out to be a bust? Then you're left with him, with two other guys on the board that you know from past experience, how well they can play. So have some fun with that. Brady, Ryan, or Fields at their age. You get them the next three years. Who do you choose? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Again, that's at 960 Sportsbeat. And looking at the early voting, it is very, very tight at this particular time. With this being Bears and Colts country, it's kind of curious to see what their fan base has thought about their quarterbacks being listed with Tom Brady. Again, he's at age 45, and right now there's a lot of belief in Justin Fields. We'd love for you to vote. We will pass along the results of this question coming up on tomorrow's program, and we will have Friday's Sportsbeat question of the day on Twitter, ready to roll. Right here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Again, thanks for voting. Looking forward to your vote on this NFL question today. It is 25 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Coming up next, we're going to do something a little different. Obviously, we focus on sports 365 days, pretty much 24 7. But we're going to tie in sports with Hollywood. And Hollywood lost a great actor today and he was a part of one of the great sports movies of all time. We'll talk about Ray Liotta Field of Dreams coming up in a couple of moments as Sports Be continues on your home of the fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In
1: 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
3: They move to the eighth inning down in Charlotte, the 16th-ranked Fighting Irish baseball team still leading the Florida State Seminoles 5-1 in their pod game, first game of the ACC tournament for the Irish, and they're looking to move on to the semifinals of the ACC tournament with a victory today. No matter what happens tomorrow against Virginia, the Irish would move on if they beat Florida State and the Irish in control of the game, leading the Seminoles by a score of 5-1. We'll pass along the final score when it is available coming up and hopefully the next 20 minutes or so right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Afternoon baseball, the Reds clobbered the Cubs today by a final score of 20-5, to five. and we'll have our My 5 question of the day coming up in a couple of moments. The five Cubs players that need to be traded by the deadline. Again, that was Pre-planned, not knowing the Cubs were going to lose by 15 runs today. Well, one of the most outstanding baseball movies, let alone any type of movie, was released in 1989, the classic film with the star Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. But one of the great supporting characters in that movie was played by Ray Liotta as he played... One of the great ball players of all time, Shoeless Joe Jackson, not allowed into the Baseball Hall of Fame due to the Black Sox scandal in the late 19-teens, and even though he performed extremely well in the World Series, that World Series was thrown by members of the White Sox, and unfortunately, despite his great play, Shoeless Joe was attached to that horrible situation, and unfortunately still is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But Leota, a young actor at the time, took on the role of Shoeless Joe Jackson, and there was just a persona about Leota playing Shoeless Joe. It's like we never really knew what Joe sounded like or what he would say, his type of language, but with Ray Leota putting himself into Shoeless Joe, it kind of feels like that's who Shoeless Joe was. And the Leota laugh, which is second to none, popped up in that particular movie as well. Well, unfortunately, we found out today the great Ray Leota passed away at the age of 67 down in the Dominican Republic, passed away in his sleep. He was filming a movie down in the Dominican Republic, and he passed away at the age of 67. I mean, you talk about back-to-back movies. If you're an actor or actress and you get one big movie, that's pretty incredible. But early on in Leota's career, his back-to-back movie releases were Field of Dreams in 1989, and then a year later in 1990, Goodfellas, where he played the role of Henry Hill. I mean, you talk about two really incredible characters to play. Henry Hill, Shoeless Joe Jackson, that was Ray Liotta. Ray was a part of that Field of Dreams movie that just, again, he made it extra special. The storyline was so unrealistic, but it worked beautifully on the big screen. I mean, a ghost walking around and a bunch of ghosts, and you got a cornfield and a baseball diamond, and you drive to Boston to find this author, and you pick up this doctor along the way, and they all play ball under the lights in your backyard, all these ghosts. Who would have thought? That, that type of storyline would lead to three Oscar nominations for My Money, the best baseball film of all time. Now, you can go different directions with that. There are comedies, of course, like Major League and Bull Durham. Then you've got a serious movie about the analytics of baseball with Moneyball, but Field of Dreams. If that doesn't pull at your heartstring, I'm not sure what will with the way that movie Concludes, but Leota was absolutely fantastic playing the role of shoeless Joe Jackson, who was this guy that just kind of walks through the cornfield onto this baseball diamond in Iowa and talks to the owner of the farm, Ray
2: Kinsella. Ray Kinsella. Joe Jackson. Can I come back again? Yeah. I built this for you. There are others, you know. There were eight of us. I really mean a lot to them. Yeah. Anytime. They're all welcome here.
3: Uh, Joe Jackson got a raw deal, and you could almost just feel the emotion in Leota's voice there playing the part of Shula's show, knowing now, he has a place to play once again in the cornfields of Iowa. And along the way, a rookie comes to the ballpark, and I guess Shoeless Joe, a.k.a. Ray Liotta, takes him under his wing.
2: You wouldn't believe how many guys wanted to play here. We had to beat them off with a stick. Hey, that's Smoky Joe Wood. Mellot Mel Ott. And Gil Hodges. And Ty Cobb wanted to play. None of us could stand as us- we were alive, so we told him to stick it. <laughs> hey. Are you Graham? Yes, sir. Well, what are you doing on the sidelines here? You came to play ball, didn't you? Yes, sir. All right, we'll go warm up. Yes, sir. Rookies. <laughs>
3: That's Ray Liotta once again playing the role of shoeless Joe Jackson in the classic 1989 film Field of Dreams. Here is Leota talking about the movie and how this great movie was built around relationships.
2: It's a way really for Kevin to get in touch with his his father because it turns out that his father, you know, shows up. And I pointed out to him and, you know, why did all this happen? It's, you know, and and. Yeah, it definitely moves, it's definitely about a father and and son relationship and they don't make many movies like that for guys and it's really emotional, it really is, a lot of guys would cry when they saw that and I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, because of that movie they play with their their kids more, you know, that time goes and you're busy working and before you know it, you know, time's up and you know, cat in the cradle. I think it makes you look at your own life and are you doing the things that you want to be doing? Uh, you know, do you have a heaven that you would like to uh, you know, achieve someday or, or are, are you involved in something that moves you?
3: Yeah, That's a good sign when a movie makes you think, makes you cry, makes you laugh a little bit, makes you smile. Field of Dreams definitely Did that. Finally, Ray Liotta was a guest on The Herd with Colin Coward back in 2016, and he passed along something that's pretty shocking in regard to being a part of this Field of Dreams movie.
2: When you did Field of Dreams in your uh, shoeless Joe Jackson, that is a sports movie that I think every guy in America cried. I mean, I can, I all literally get choked up thinking about the scene. So when you play that. Someone told me it's the notebook for guys. (laughs) <laughs> that is so good. So w- when, you, when you're playing it, do you understand how it's going to land for a lot of guys in America? Dad, mm. sons? No. Again, I remember reading that and I said, this is the silliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> what do you mean this ghost comes out of, <laughs> out of the corn and then this guy is making money with corn and he builds a field. I just didn't get it. I, didn't, I wasn't movie savvy. I didn't know. About the bigger picture, God. The way you just stated it with corn, I don't think it's emotional either now. <laughs> but but it does land now. Now when you watch it, do you see it? Do you I've s- never seen it. What do you mean, never seen it? I've never seen that movie. Time out. You you need and listen. I'm not a sports. Well mo- I was more of an emotional thing, because my mom was sick during the time oh. she passed in the middle of Goodfellas, actually, and then we before she passed. Uh, we went to a, a screening of it, and she just was feeling too horrible, mm-hmm. and, and we left. So, not to bring your show to a halt. No, no, that no is that's okay. what happened. Do you, do you, are you comfortable watching yourself? Mm. Do you do you need to? No. I don't like to either. I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, like, you watch, no. like, the, yeah.
3: Isn't that nuts? He's never seen the movie. He never watched. Now, maybe he did after that interview in 2016, but Shoeless Joe in the movie, of course, brings... Ray's father back who had passed away years ago. And that infamous scene where Ray asked him, dad, you want to play catch? And that's where every guy in America has the notebook moment where the tears start to flow. I know I lost my dad the day before my high school graduation, and he was a huge baseball player, baseball fan. And even after all these years, what 33 years later since that movie came out. If that's on TV and that scene happens, man, get the Kleenexes because that is just a powerful scene that so many of us can relate to. But Ray Liotta was special in that movie. I thought it would be in our best interest not to play any Goodfella highlights. I think we probably might go off the rail a little bit. But you talk about back-to-back movies, Field of Dreams, Goodfellas. Boy, Ray Liotta had a great career, and it all started with those two In 1989, and 1990, Ray Liotta passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 67. He'll always be known as Henry Hill and Shoeless Joe Jackson. 551 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: Well, today's my five question of the day on Sports Beat. Who are the top five Chicago Cub players that should be traded before the trade deadline? So we will go five to one. Number one is the player I feel like should be traded more than anybody else. But we'll begin with Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, this is a guy that the Chicago Cubs picked up during the offseason as a stopgap. He's not a long-term member of the Chicago Cubs' starting rotation. In fact, he started the year on the injured list. He's a former South Bend Silverhawk, managed by Mark Haley. He has been a veteran left-hander, a handy left-hander for so many teams, including the Reds last year where he threw a no-hitter. But Wade Miley right now is a guy that's not a part of the Cubs' future. You're not going to get a whole lot for Wade Miley, but with the need for pitching across baseball... In particular, quality left-handed pitching. This would be a really good guy for contending teams to add. I would call him my number six starter. You got your five starters. If someone gets injured, if someone, maybe a player on your rotation is younger, you have to watch the innings. Wade Miley is a guy you can throw into the rotation, and he will give you some good innings. So, Miley is a guy you're probably not going to get a whole lot in return for at the trade deadline, but there's just doesn't seem to be a long-term relationship between these two. So, Miley makes the list. Four! This should be number one, but realistically, it's not going to happen, so that's why I didn't put it at number one. But the question is, the f- top five Chicago Cubs players that should be traded – I put him at number four because it is not going to happen, but it's Jason Hayward. It was a horrible signing from the day Theo Epstein came to an agreement with this outfielder, who is a tremendous defensive outfielder, runs the base as well, but he is just not a guy that's going to help you offensively, consistently. And off to a rough start this year, currently out of action right now. Making $25 million this year, he's going to make another $25 million next year. Now, you can get rid of him, but it would take Mr. Ricketts to write a check. If you're a baseball fan, you might recall within the last month, the New York Mets had $45 million left on the deal with veteran infielder Robinson Cano. They wrote him a check. He's no longer a New York Met. They're going to pay him to play against them. Kind of like David Justice in Moneyball. To get him off the roster, they paid him $45 million. Here you go. The Cubs would have to pay probably right around $40 million, I would bet, counting the rest of his salary this year and next year. But why not at this point? What are you gaining by having him on the roster? you're probably going to be blocking some guys in the near future. And that's not what you want to do because Jason Hayward is not going to be a part of when this team has a chance to win again, probably in 2024, maybe next year. But I think realistically 2024, I just think from a baseball standpoint, write him a check, move on and start giving some other guys opportunities. Like Chris Morrell, my goodness, he just continues to produce no matter where they put him on the field or in the lineup.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Number
3: three. Next up on the list of Cub players that should be traded by the deadline, reliever David Robertson. No use having a closer on your team when you lose 20-5 to like they did today or you don't have a realistic chance to be a competitive team. A guy that can close the game has value. You can get some good return for a guy like David Robertson, even though he's been injured the last couple of years. He has come back, and he has been a great find. Credit to Jed Hoyer and his scouts for getting Robertson off the scrap heap. He's done a very nice job, likely not with the team next year. A guy that can close can get you some good value, so I would have Robertson on my list. Number two. I've got Ian Happ. Switch hitting outfielder. Much better from the left side than the right side, although much better from the right side this year compared to past years. I did not think he was a starting player as a right-handed batter, a starting player from the left side, but I think he has been more balanced this year. Now, I put Hap on the list because he has a little over a year left of control. Let's think about what's coming. Brennan Davis is going to be a star. If he's not, I'll eat it. I've been saying it since I saw him here in South Bend in 2019. He is going to be a star. So there's one outfield spot. You paid Seo Suzuki $85 million for five years to hit like he did in April, not like the guy that's hit in May. But he's probably going to be outfielder number two. Well, now look, you got Nelson Velasquez hitting the cover up the ball this year. He's moved up to AAA. Alexander Canario had a power surge here in South Bend. He's at double-A. You got two young pups ready to go. And I think as the Cubs look to win in 2024, Ian Happ's not going to be a part of that equation. He's got over a year of control left, so that's important to teams that might acquire him. So I think Ian Happ, as a switch hitter, has good power from the left side. That is a handy, at the very least, part of a platoon in the outfield for some contending team. I wouldn't mind him at the plate as a left-handed batter in my lineup for a team trying to contend. Right side, not so much. But if Hap's not going to be a part of that 2024 team that's going to try to win, and I don't think the Cubs would hang on to him, that's why... With over a year of control, I put them on the market now. Number one. And the number one player who should be traded before the deadline. This was easy. It is Wilson Contreras. The Cubs have not come together with Contreras on a long-term deal. Maybe they don't want to. Don't know. Great question. But they haven't done anything yet. My gut tells me, doing a lot of listening as my... During my time with the South Bend Cubs, I don't think he's a part of their future. I don't think he'll be a part of that next surge. I think he is a valuable asset at the deadline this year. Has control left before he hits free agency. I think Wilson Contreras can bring you some pretty good stuff back. Cubs are accumulating chips right now. And I just think at this point... Contreras is a very movable part. And I think the Cubs in the future will be in a better position to succeed when they move on from a guy like Wilson Contreras. That's my opinion. We'll see what they do in the very near future. So those are the five players that, in my opinion, should be traded before the deadline. 5-1 to one, Wade Miley. Jason Hayward, David Robertson, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. It is 6:04. We're late for a Sports Center update that is coming up in a matter of seconds on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Celebrating 100 years of serving Michiana. This is 9:60 a.m. WSBT South Bend. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy's good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest league champion. Adios!
2: Walk-off home run, Eloy
1: Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett.
3: And welcome to the second hour, of Budweiser's Weekday Sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me. 613, 71 degrees in downtown South Bend. The program being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend baseball fans. This Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Tim Grau State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza, since 1978, we have South Bend Cubs baseball coming up in about 30 minutes. Pre-game coverage will get underway from Four Winds Field. The Cubbies take on the L.A. Dodgers affiliate, the Great Lakes Loons. And one year ago tonight, we had a pretty good brouhaha at Four Winds Field. It is the one-year anniversary of, from my standpoint, the... Scariest brawl I have ever seen in person at a baseball game. It was South Bend and Fort Wayne, and it was a serious brawl as there were some major haymakers thrown. Not as many guys were suspended as I thought there would be, dare I say should have been. But I think the key to not getting caught in a brawl throwing punches is to have a jacket over your baseball uniform because there were a couple of guys that were swinging some major Rocky Balboa uppercuts that did not get suspended because they could not be identified. And they got away with it for both sides, not just one team, but both sides. So we don't want to see any brawls in baseball, but it is part of the game from time to time. No matter what people say, it is something that happens in baseball every once in a while. At times, you have to protect your teammates, and things happen. You don't want them to happen, but they happen. And this was a case where, wow, it was serious. It was actually scary just calling the game from behind home plate at Four Winds Field. It was as intense of a moment or two that I have been a part of at the ballpark, but again, There are a couple of guys that got away with it because they could not be identified because they had a jacket over their baseball uniform, so their number did not show. But that was some night, one year ago tonight, at Four Winds Field. All right, the Fighting Irish baseball team, two outs away from winning their game against the Florida State Seminoles in the ACC tournament. This is pod play. There are three teams In this particular pod where Notre Dame is located, you've got the Virginia Cavaliers and the Florida State Seminoles. Yesterday, Florida State defeated Virginia, which made this pretty simple for the Fighting Irish. If they beat Florida State today, they would advance to the ACC Tournament semifinal regardless of the outcome of their game tomorrow morning against Virginia. That's because if Notre Dame beats Florida State, and Virginia beats Notre Dame. All three teams in that pot are 1-1. One and one. The highest-seeded team advances, which is Notre Dame, and that's how the Irish get to the semifinals. So basically, all they have to do is win this game, and they're in the semifinals. And the Irish are now one out away from victory. Notre Dame 5, Florida State 1. Bottom of the ninth inning, the Seminoles are down to their final out. In this ballgame, John Michael Bertrand was the starter for the Fighting Irish All-ACC Performer for a second consecutive year. Six-year player, second year at Notre Dame, Bertrand, 113 pitches today, eight innings, five hits, an unearned run. He walked one, struck out eight. He did the job for the Irish, lowering his ERA for the season down to 2.39. He is a horse you can ride in the NCAA Tournament and the lefty did the job today against Florida State. For the Irish offense, they jumped in front one nothing, as the Irish shortstop, Zach Prisner belted a solo home run in the third inning. The Irish grabbed a 1-0 lead. The Seminoles picked up an unearned run in the bottom of the third. We were 1-1 going to the fourth inning, and that's when Jack Zyska hit a home run for the Fighting Irish as part of a two-run fourth inning. And that put the Irish back in front, 2-1. to It was 3-1 Irish going to the fifth inning when Brooks Coetzee delivered a two-run shot. And the Irish had a 5-1 lead in the fifth inning. There has been no scoring since. And now Florida State has the tying run coming to the plate as the Irish just hit a batter. And now Florida State has the bases loaded. Two outs, down by four in the bottom of the ninth inning. Austin Temple is on the mound for the Irish. He's a right-hander with a 2.93 ERA and 55 in the third innings this year. He has a couple of saves for the Irish. This was not a save situation since the fighting Irish were up by four when he entered the ballgame, but he's got some issues right now. He's given up a double. He has hit two batters. He struck out a batter and also induced a flyout. So a key moment in the game, he will face Vincent, who is a 191 hitter for Florida State. He is their catcher, so we'll see if they pinch it for him or not. If not, uh, Vincent has, let's see, no home runs on the year. So a very unlikely candidate to hit a grand slam to tie this game up at 5. So we'll see what happens here in the closing moments of this ball game. Again, the Irish will take on the Virginia Cavaliers tomorrow morning at 11. If the Irish beat Florida State, it's almost going to be like a midweek game for Link Jarrett's team as he can just use some pitchers deep down his pitching lineup to use in that game since it's really not going to mean a whole lot for This Fighting Irish baseball team, of course, they want to win it. Every little victory helps you. And RPI, strength of schedule, trying to get closer and closer to be a national seed, which puts you in position to be a host for a Super Regional. But we do know at the very least that the Fighting Irish will once again host a Regional. And last year, the Irish went undefeated in their Regional, getting down to Mississippi State for that Super Regional where they lost the heartbreaking three-game series to the team that went on to win the College World Series. That catcher has been pinch hit for, and it's going to be Mathis, who has six home runs and 63 at bats. He's hitting 254. He will face Notre Dame's Austin Temple with the game on the line. 5-1 Irish, bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded. Two men out. I'm not watching the game. I'm just giving you the play-by-play from Game Tracker. As we wait for this game to conclude, it was a long... Long afternoon for David Ross and the Chicago Cubs. Cubs, Cubs, Well, the Reds, one of the worst teams in baseball, clobbered the Cubs today by a score of 20-5. to Now, five of the 20 runs occurred in the ninth inning when the Cubs used shortstop Andrelton Simmons on the mound. I have no idea how hard Simmons was throwing. I assume he was just lobbing the ball in there, but just a thought. This is a guy that missed the first month and a half of the season with a shoulder issue, his throwing shoulder. Do you really need him throwing pitches in a game like that? Isn't there anybody else that can do it? I just thought that was a little odd. But, again, I'm sure he was just lobbing them in there, but that's probably the last guy. I'm putting on the mound in that spot, considering he was dealing with a shoulder issue earlier in the year. What do I know? As I'm telling you that story, the pinch hitter came up with a two RBI single for Florida State, and now the Irish lead is down to five to three with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. So now the tying run on first and the winning run is at home plate. Alex Rayo now on the mound for the Fighting Irish as he is going to take over for Temple, trying to get this elusive final out. So now a save situation for Alex, who has two saves in 32 innings this year. So this game is getting a little uncomfortable down in Charlotte. The Irish lead is down to 5-3. to three. But in that Red Cubs game, Kyle Farmer, the Red shortstop, 4-4 four for four with a couple of home runs and five driven in. Justin Steele, the former South Bend Cub, left-hander, had a rough go today. Two-plus innings. He was on the mound at the start of that eight-run third inning for Cincinnati that put them in front 10-3 steal. Two innings, seven hits, seven earned runs. The Cubs got home runs from Hap, Horner, and Contreras. But the Cubs lose by 15 today. And it's the first time the Cubs in the same season have scored 20 runs in a game and given up 20 runs in a game since a Cub team that had Jamie Moyer on it and Dave Martinez. Last time that happened for the Cubbies, you have to go all the way back to 1987. So the Cubs had 20 earlier this year, and they gave up a 20 spot today. The good news is it counts as only one loss, but man, oh man, the Reds of all teams put up a 20 spot on the Cubs. And once again, as I told you earlier in the week, If you're into that wagering thing, Reds games, the over for total runs between the two teams entering this Cubs series, 59% of the time the game goes over the total. Well, it was over the total in the third inning today as the two teams combined 4:25. 425. I'll get to my sports wagering picks coming up in a moment as the Irish game continues. Hopefully, it'll go final during this commercial break. We'll get to our we go into Sizzler sports wagering segment next 624 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Money, money, money. Water, 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 water. Show me the money. We go with sizzler. <laughs>
3: It is time for our sports wagering segment. We go into Sizzler on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Been on a bit of a heater the last three shows. Cooled off a little bit last night, but two and two isn't the worst thing in the world. Let's recap the selections from yesterday's program. We started yesterday with the Reds leading the Cubs after five innings at minus 110. I base that on the fact Kyle Hendricks does not pitch well at Great American Ballpark. After five innings last night, the Reds led the Cubs 4-2, to two, so we got off to a good start. The second selection from last night was looking good until the seventh inning when Tyrone Taylor hit a two-run home run. And that doomed me. I had the Padres on the money line against the Brewers at minus 125. I was backing you, Darvish. But the home run wow. did not help. And Milwaukee beat the Padres 2-1. to one. The third suggestion from yesterday's program, I took the Boston Celtics minus 2.5 at the heap. We got that game at minus 110. The Celtics were down at halftime, but... They roared back in the second half, and the Celtics on the road win by 13-93 to 80. So 2-1 going into the last suggestion. I went to bed last night thinking, groovy, baby. It is 3-0 avalanche over the Blues going to the second period. And I woke up this morning stunned at the result. The avalanche and the Blues were 3-3, less than three minutes to go. Nathan McKinnon scored for the Avalanche. They went back in front 4-3. That's a win, right? My selection was the Avalanche three-way result over the Blues, which means they had to win at the end of regulation to win the wager. They're ahead with a minute to go, and the Blues tied it. And then the Blues won it in overtime 5-4. I mean, the first period, the Blues were just watching the Avalanche skate around. It was like... The Generals watching the Harlem Globetrotters run their offense. I mean, that game was over. The Blues were done. What happened? I went to bed and everything fell apart, I guess you could say. An avalanche took place for Colorado. Woof. Blues won 5-4. We came up short in that wager. So a 2-2 two two day, but still 10-2 this week and 20-12 and in the month of May. Now we have a separate underdog pick where we try to pick an underdog and came up short last night, took the Phillies on the money line at the Braves at plus 140. Rangers Suarez had a 1.71 ERA since joining the rotation last year for the Phillies in road games, but it didn't pan out last night. Braves won by a score of 8-4. to Here are the suggestions for tonight. We will start with the National Hockey League. The Stanley Cup playoffs. The chase for the Holy Grail continues. And we are going to the Battle of Alberta. Nobody likes nobody in this matchup, Calgary and Edmonton. My selection for this game, it's a must win for Calgary. They're down 3-1. Oilers flames over six and a half total goals. That's the direction I'm going. Now, I'm probably overthinking this, but the Oilers have been so good in this series. Their offense has been outstanding. And let's say they're ahead 4-2 to with five minutes to go, or 4-1. to The Flames down 3-1 may pull their goaltender with five minutes to go, and the Oilers could knock home a couple of empty netters to close out the game. So there's a couple of different ways to get to the over. I just look at these elimination games a little differently. The team that is down in the series, if they're down in the third period, they have to pull out all the stops. they got to pull their goalie for the extra attackers. So that's why I'm thinking there could be a couple of avenues to go over in this game. So I'm going with the Oilers' Flames, the two teams combining to go over six and a half goals at minus 120. The second suggestion for tonight, we go to Major League Baseball. A good old-fashioned NL Central matchup. The only two teams competitive this year in the division will square off by the arch. It is the Cardinals and the Brewers meeting. Game one of a four-game series, Wainwright versus Lauer. Well, the Brewers are without Hunter Renfro, who has been popping the ball pretty good from the middle of their lineup. He just went on the injured list. Devin Williams has pitched three consecutive days for Milwaukee. And he is unavailable for tonight's game. And he's had to pitch a little more lately because Josh Hader has been away from the team as he's been dealing with a family medical issue. And I don't believe he's going to be back for tonight's game. So the Brewers back into their bullpen, their top two guys, are not going to be available unless Hader comes back tonight. We'll see. So with that being said, the Brewers had to fly in from, Saint, from San Diego to St. Louis St. Louis had the day off yesterday. I'm going Cardinals on the money line against the Brewers at minus 120. The third suggestion for tonight, it is a matchup between the Angels and the Blue Jays. A lot of star power when these two get together. Otani, Trout, Guerrero Jr., Bachet, Springer, the list goes on and on. Otani is pitching tonight for the Angels. So here's what I'm going to do. He's going up against Rue, the left-hander for the Blue Jays, who has been injured for most of the season. I'm going with the Angels to have the lead after five innings in a one-by-three result, which means you could pick after five innings the Angels to win, the Blue Jays to win, or a tie. So that brings the odds down a little bit. So I'm taking the Angels with the lead. After five innings and a one-by-three result, I get that at minus 110. And finally, let's go with the Golden State Warriors to close out the Dallas Mavericks. I went back and forth today on this. I've leaned both ways. I settled on the Warriors. I'm going to take Golden State at home. Laying a big number, six and a half. Golden State covered that at home, I believe, in game number two. So I'm just going to say the Warriors come out and close things out tonight. I'll take the Warriors minus 6.5 against the Mavericks at minus 110. And our separate underdog pick tonight, I'm going to say that the trend will be bucked tonight. The Hurricanes will lose for the first time on home ice. I'm going with the Rangers on the money line at plus 125 as my underdog pick of the night. That's our We Going to Sizzler segment for tonight. All those numbers are courtesy of BetMGM. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Bee, brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend baseball fans. This Bud's for you. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574 232 9981. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. That's going to do it for Sports Beat. I'm Darren Pritchett. Have a great evening. South Bend Cubs baseball straight ahead, 640 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT.